Welcome guys, thanks uh, for being able to join with us again here today as we are Exchange Church Online via our YouTube channel. Uh, my name is uh, Todd Hall, I'm the lead pastor of Exchange and it's a great privilege, uh, privilege and pleasure that you can be with us today as uh, we come and we uh, come around God's Word, which is an important part of our service that we love to um, honour God through His revealed Word to us, the Gospel. We've been working through the book of Colossians uh, the last few weeks and uh, actually last week we had Steve who uh, shared with us, Steve Hickenbotham, uh, really um, uh, great this Steve Goodell got me really excited about the gospel as well as I heard him open up that passage last week. So uh, again, we're going to follow on from there today in the next passage of Scripture as uh, we look here at this letter of Colossians written uh, 2,000 years ago by the Apostle Paul. Uh, You know, at the moment around this world, uh, we have laboratories and testing labs uh, all over the world looking for a cure to COVID-19, to this current pandemic and this current um, uh, challenge that we face as a world. And they're working around the clock overtime trying to find a cure here for or a vaccine that, as it were, that will kill this virus. Um, uh, there's a massive amount of hope uh, being put into the future of this vaccine. If they can just find this vaccine, that will actually take us out of the isolation we're in and the dramas we're facing. Countries are being brought to their knees and uh, as we toil and struggle under the weight of this virus, uh, governments and economies worldwide are pinning their hopes on this vaccine and discovering that so they can uh, take us out of this uh, crushing period of time that we are living in. Uh, I'm like them. I hope we find a cure. I really do. I'm hoping they find a vaccine that we can have that can actually save people's lives. No one likes to see people suffering in hospitals and no one likes to see people suffering by lack of a job as well. So I'm like them. I, I hope we find a cure. Paul today, though, is going to grow a a, a sure and steady hope in Christ for us as we look at this passage here in Colossians. It's a hope that's already available to us in Christ that we can cling on to now. And it's also a hope that is far greater and stronger than any vaccine we could find for COVID-19 virus. This is a hope that is an eternal hope beyond the here and now. Uh, So join with us as we read here from Colossians 1, 24, and we're going to read uh, down to 2 verse 5. It says this, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ." in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I'm absent in body, yet I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Let me pray. Uh, Lord, thank you that we can gather together this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you give us the medium here of the internet via a YouTube channel. And Father, thank you for way above this is the power of your Holy Spirit bringing the truth of this word 
into our hearts and lives. So Lord, I would ask and pray now, please let your spirit come and open up to us this glorious mystery that has now been revealed to us, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So I pray, Lord, please let your words speak great hope into our hearts this morning, filling us, Lord, with encouragement and filling us, Lord, with peace and growing us in a bigger and bigger vision of who you are, Jesus. Uh, Father, I do ask this now and I do pray this now in the precious and holy name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Wonderful. Thanks, guys, that we can pray. It's always a great thing to be able to do when we uh, come to God's Word is open up in prayer and ask for His strength as we uh, come to... That's got it. That's got it. Got to get the right code in these things. Great thing we can pray. Pray that God will give uh, strength and power to His Word because it's not in me. It's in the Holy Spirit that works in His Word. Uh, Friends, today this is a, a glorious passage, a beautiful passage filled with hope, gospel hope. Actually, this week when I looked at this passage, I thought, I don't know where to start. There's so many great things here in this passage. I don't know which one to run with first. It was just brimmed full of really good stuff that builds our faith and builds our hope in Christ. Uh, Here's what Paul is doing. He's laying a foundation here for the Colossians to build their life on. A life not free from troubles or falseness, but a life that's got a glorious hope, a glorious hope that'll carry them through all the troubles and falseness they'll potentially face in this life. So, but let's trace here where Paul has been so far, help us to sort of put a bit of backstory of what's happening. Initially, Paul opened up in a prayer of thanksgiving and a prayer of growth in the gospel for the Colossian church, thanking God for what God was doing there. Paul also reminded them of the redemption that we have in Christ as well. And then Paul broke out into song, as it were, or poem about the supreme position of Jesus. Jesus is supreme in creation, Jesus is supreme in salvation, and Jesus is supreme in the new creation, the church. Jesus is first in all of these things, which Steve so wonderfully took us through uh, there last week. So now Paul shifts gears, as it were, or he pivots a little here and speaks about his service for the church as an apostle. And what he talks about here is the hope that Jesus, through the gospel, brings to the Colossians that Paul is a minister of. He hasn't seen them face to face, but in a sense, he's an, ap- an apostle minister, as in giving them instructions here about the gospel. And here it's about the hope. And the big idea with where we're going to go today is this. Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We have, for those who are believing Jesus and trusting him, we have a glorious hope living within us. A hope that is first and primary, a hope that's worth suffering for, and also a hope that is rich beyond all measure in this world. Firstly, though, the hope that Jesus Christ is, is the hope of our lives. If we want to come to God and be found right in him, Jesus is the hope, the only hope that we have to be found right in God. And this is the hope that God desires to make known to us. Look in Colossians 1.27, it says this, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the glorious hope that God wants to make known to us. Not the hope of something else or another person. It's the hope of Christ. You see, we hope for a lot of things in this world. 
We put our hopes into a successful career, maybe, or a successful business. We put our hopes into a relationship, which may culminate or end in marriage. We put our hopes into getting a new car or a new house sometimes. And often we put our hopes into these things, hoping to find satisfaction or meaning to life. If I can just have this new car or this new man or this new woman or this new job, that somehow my life will make sense and I'll feel satisfied. That's not where God would open our eyes today for the hope he wants to show us. It's not in those things. God would cause us to have a far larger outlook on life where he wants us to see a way bigger picture than just a new man or a new woman or a new car or a new house in life to get the big picture of life here. Now, the Colossians, no doubt, would have been striving for the same things that we do But they could see this bigger picture. They could see the bigger picture here as well. They knew that there was a God who created the world and a God who created them, who gives them life and breath. And they knew also that one day they will stand before this God and have to give an account of their life. I'm sure they were well aware of that. But just maybe there's a bit of confusion in the hearts and minds of the Colossians at this time. Maybe some were thinking, if I just do enough good things, maybe that's the way to get to God. God will see how much good I do. Or maybe hoping in some of the false teaching that these false teachers were bringing to the people in Colossae, that there was some mysterious secret knowledge they needed to have to get to God. Maybe they were starting to hope in that. Perhaps there was a bit of confusion there. We're going to see a bit more of that over the next few weeks as we get a bit further into Colossians as well. Paul's not going to take them there, though. He's going to take them to this and ground them in the only hope Not good works, not mysterious secret knowledge. The only hope that will stand the test of time that God gives. And it's not a new car, it's not a new career, and it's not marriage. It's in a person. It's in a person of Jesus Christ. This hope is anchored, anchored in the perfect life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The only person who's ever fully satisfied God's right requirements of a perfect life before him. And here Paul shows also that this, as it were, mystery has been under wraps for centuries, but it's now been revealed by God to us according to God's purposes. He says in verse 26 of Colossians 1, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but it's now revealed to his saints. So not only do the the Colossians get to see it back then, but we also see it today is where these scriptures opened up for us. Jesus Christ is our only hope. Jesus Christ is God's rescue plan for humanity. There is no plan B. There is no other person. It is Christ. When all other hopes have failed in this life, and they will, the car will rust, the house will get old, and the marriage will, will end, hopefully in death, not by divorce or anything like that. That will happen. Jesus' hope, he gives, stands strong and true. It's a rock that cannot be moved. It's it's something the storms of life cannot shift. It's an eternal hope. There's another powerful truth here about this hope as well. We see that also in verse 27. It's a hope that's not outside of us. It's a hope that's inside of us. In verse 27 it says, Christ in you. Christ is not something outside of us, as Paul says. It's the hope that's within us. Jesus is this indwelling hope, 24-7, always with us. No matter where we are or no matter what we're going through, Christ is the hope within us. 
not something we've got to call to our aid at any particular time. He's within us. So here's where Paul starts. It's the, it's the hope of Jesus Christ, this unchanging and, and, and unshakable one. He is our only hope. And Paul's making it clear again here to the Colossians by building this foundation early on in the letter here about the hope that God's revealed, the hope, Jesus alone. Now for Paul, uh, this was a glorious hope that his first is like, absolutely And this hope of the gospel in Christ also directed every aspect of Paul's life, every aspect of his life. This hope so directed Paul's life to the very point of where he's willing, as it were, to suffer for this hope as well. Have a look with me here in verse 24, and he says this, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. Where's Paul when he writes this? Paul is in a Roman prison cell suffering because of the hope of the gospel. But this hope is so real in Paul's life that he's able to rejoice in these circumstances. Rejoice in those circumstances. Now you may notice a bit of a challenging thought there that we just had as we read that out. Paul says, filling up in what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Now that's a whole other talk to actually open that up and we will do that perhaps later on but today I'm just going to say this to maybe calm some of those thoughts in case they're in your mind at this point in time. There's nothing lacking in the finished work of Jesus at the cross in making full payment for our sins or atoning for our sins. There's nothing lacking in what Jesus has done. The payment he's made is full, final and complete. What Paul's saying here in a sense is this, that his present sufferings, what Paul's going through, is like a a representation or representing the sufferings of Christ again or what he went through, which is part and parcel of the gospel. So Paul's saying, I'm showing you, that, in a sense, the gospel sufferings that Jesus went through. And that's part of our gospel witness sometimes is to show those sufferings. Anyway, more on that at another time. Uh, Paul says this again as well, this suffering in verse 29 and chapter 2 verse 1. He says, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. Don't be surprised if there's opposition to the hope that we have within us, for the hope that we proclaim. Don't be surprised if we get opposition. Paul's a political prisoner in Rome here at this time. He's seen as a disruptor to the state. He was preaching the one true God in Jesus Christ alone. That flies in the face of Rome. Rome is all about emperor worship or Caesar worship. When they had their Caesars or the emperors, they nearly, they basically deified them. People began to worship the emperor or the Caesar as God. You had to bow down to them. Paul's not saying, Paul's saying, hey, you don't do that. There's only one God. So he's a political prisoner. He says, I'm toiling here, as it were. I'm struggling here for this hope. And actually that word struggling in the Greek is agonize, where we get our English word from agonize. Now I'm no Greek scholar, but uh, I just did notice that as I was looking through, it actually has this, uh, this, this root in it there of agony or agonizing. So Paul's restricted in prison. 
He's agonizing. He's writing letters, lots of letters to various churches. Paul is praying fervently for many people and many churches and situations. Paul is also agonizing, as it were, and struggling with bad news coming to him, as well as good news. Paul's also getting bad news coming to him as well. Paul's battling, no doubt, with doubts and attacks and fears from Satan and from within. As he's wandering in prison, what the heck's going on with my life? He's battling with all those things, left, right and centre. Paul's agonising here, even as he lives out this hope of the gospel. Paul is also struggling against false teaching that's trying to creep into the church of Colossae. He's no doubt heard about this from Epaphras, who's brought back a report. He says there in Colossians 2.4, to try and counteract that, he says, I say this, I'm saying all this in this letter, in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Paul doesn't want them to be deceived by plausible things that seem okay in the surface, but really underneath have no foundation in the gospel whatsoever. There's a group here that are telling the Colossians, you need this secret wisdom to really find true salvation. Paul's agonizing, as it were, over the potential harm this could bring to the Colossians if they believe that, if they try and add something else to Jesus. There's an agonizing that Paul is going through. He's like an athlete. He's like an athlete who's putting himself through grueling training to reach the prize, like an Olympian who trains for years and years and years to get the gold medal. The gold medal or the prize for Paul is the privilege of being able to proclaim this glorious hope, Christ in us, the hope of glory. For Paul, that's a privilege. For Paul, that's a prize. For Paul, all this suffering is worth it. It's absolutely worth it. So when Paul's got to go through these dramas and this agony, he's totally okay with it because he knows the hope that he's got and that hope he's able to proclaim. So how could Paul go through the suffering with such hope? Well, Paul actually leads us to another point here of giving us the reason why he can do this because Paul has discovered this is a rich hope, a rich hope. Look in verse uh, 27 of chapter 1. The riches of the glory of this mystery, the riches of the glory of this mystery. And again in chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, and their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now verse 3 is going to be really helpful for us as we get another couple of weeks into uh, Colossians, because they're all talking about this secret wisdom and secret knowledge. Paul's saying it's in Christ. So, But what does Paul mean here by rich hope? What does he mean here by a rich hope? Does he mean materially rich? Does Paul mean wealth untold, like something we could never imagine in our bank accounts? Is he talking about that? Is Paul actually even referring to maybe the prosperity gospel of hope? Is Paul thinking about that? I don't think so. Paul's hope is this. It's an eager expectation of confidence that Jesus' death has made him right before God. And that because he's now right with God in what Christ has done, Paul confidently, confidently looks forward to an eternity of basking and living in this glory. A glory that he knows now within by the work of the Spirit, but a glory he will know face to face in eternity. Paul's confident in that. That's his hope. Paul's found the antidote, as it were, or vaccine to this sin problem, man's biggest problem. 
He's found the vaccine for that. It is the blood of Jesus Christ. He understands there's not any amount of good works that Paul could do, but it's all about what Jesus has done already at the cross in pouring out his blood to pay the price of our sins. This is Paul's first, uh, first hope. This is a hope that he's willing to suffer for. He's suffering for it right now as he writes this letter to us. Uh, this is a hope that he's found that he is rich in as well. And this is a hope that he wants the Colossians to be rich in too. But we still haven't answered that question yet, have we? What does he mean by rich? I think when Paul says rich here, he means an abundance of hope, a large amount of hope. You know, we think about someone like Bill Gates and we think he has an abundance of wealth. What does that mean? He has a large amount of wealth. Call it money, whatever you might want to call it. He has a large amount of that. Paul wants us to have an abundance, a large amount of hope, gospel hope in our hearts and lives. Paul wants our spiritual bank account, as it were, to be abounding in gospel hope. Paul, as it were, wants our spiritual trust fund to be building every day and overflowing in gospel hope. Now, friends, let me tell you this that if your material bank account is running on empty, but you have the riches of Christ inside of you, then you have riches that money cannot buy in this world. And maybe your bank account is running on empty at the moment because of the COVID-19 uh, virus we're in. But if you have Christ inside of you, you have the riches that this world cannot buy. Riches that cannot be compared in this world. The worth of the riches of Jesus Christ inside of us is beyond compared to anything this world may offer us. New cars, new houses, new jobs, nothing compares to the riches of Christ. The hope of the gospel in Christ alone, by faith alone, in grace alone, is an entry, is an entry to the palace of the king of the universe. The hope of the gospel is an invitation to live with this glorious king in his palace and experience his wonders for all of eternity. To experience his glory for all of eternity. All of eternity. The world we live in has nothing on this hope. It can throw nothing to compare with this hope. But you know, how often do we settle though for the dirty rags and the faded jewels of this world to build our hopes on. How often does that happen? How often do we get mesmerised by the fading, empty hopes of this world and we pass right on by the unsearchable riches of Christ? We get a new car, we get a new laptop computer, we get a new house, and that seems to bring more excitement to our life than what does the gospel of hope bring into our hearts. Now, maybe that's you today. Maybe you've joined with us for the first time at Exchange Church, and we are so thankful that you've come to be with us today. We love to have new people joining with us at Exchange because we want to share with you this glorious hope that Christ is that makes us rich beyond all measure in this world. This is why Paul is toiling and struggling with all the powerful energy of Christ working in and through him. Paul says this in verse 28 as well. He says, Him we proclaim. Paul's not going to proclaim anybody else or anything else. It's him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present 
everyone mature in Christ. Paul wants us to know and grow richly abundant in this gospel hope that Jesus is more than enough and that Jesus is all we need. He is the hope beyond and above all hopes. Today's Mother's Day. And as I was thinking about uh, and preparing for this talk through the week, I could see some really direct applications for mothers. And not only mothers, but for all people. But particularly for Mother's Day as I think about that. Mums, mothers, you play a vital role in showing this hope. Mums, you are just like Paul. You are similar to Paul. Just as he is writing to instruct the Colossians, the people under his care, you too can instruct and encourage the people under your care, your children. Mums, what you have, mothers, what you have is a brilliant opportunity to teach and to show the unsearchable riches of the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ to your family. Mothers, what you have is a massive privilege, a massive privilege to teach and show your children the most important thing that they'll ever learn in this world, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you get to live that gospel out every day before them through the good, the bad and the ugly of life. You get to show them the hope that you've got. It is a massive privilege. Please, please don't ever underestimate what an extraordinary opportunity and privilege that is. Don't ever underestimate that. What you get to play a part in, what you get to do, will be way more important than what your children or teenagers or young adults will ever learn at school or at university. Now, I don't think you heard that, so I'm going to say it again. What you get to do to teach and show and instruct with your children, your teenagers, your, your young adults, will be way more important than what they'll ever learn at school or at university. What we get to do, what you get to do, mothers, with the hope of the gospel, is way more important than preparing your son or your daughter for marriage or life outside of home. It is. It truly is. It's a massive privilege that we get to be able to share the hope of glory, Christ in you, with our children and with our families. And yes, just like Paul, mothering will sometimes be done with lots of toil and lots of struggle as well. You'll invest countless hours, countless hours into the lives of your sons and your daughters. Sometimes that'll be in the, in the small hours of the morning, two and three o'clock in the morning, having many conversations teaching the same thing again, demonstrating the same thing again, showing them again who Jesus is. Countless hours of that. And then you'll see an influence drift into the life of your son or your daughter. And it will devastate you when you see what that influence does. You'll see the world begin to creep into their lives, perhaps, in some ways. They'll begin to embrace some of the ways of this world. And yes, some of the decisions they'll make from time to time will cause us massive heartache. They will cause you mothers massive heartache. There'll be some times where you will cry yourself to sleep at night, wondering which, where your son or daughter is and what they're up to. It will cause massive heartache at times. There will be toil. There will be struggle. No doubt about that. But there'll also be other times 
when you'll see the riches of Christ find root and grow deeper and deeper into the heart of your son or your daughter. Then you too, like Paul, will be able to rejoice even in the middle of suffering. What you'll see sometimes is the hope, the hope of Christ, as it were, blossoming and blooming within the heart of your son or your daughter. You'll see them quietly sitting in a corner reading the Bible and growing in their knowledge of who Jesus is. You'll see them taking uh, things to the Lord in prayer as they face challenges and difficulties in their life. You'll actually see them go through the challenges of life and you'll see the strength of Christ come upon them as it were to give them what is required to get through that challenge. You'll see the gospel begin to grow deeper and deeper into the hearts of your son and your daughter. And that will bring you tremendous joy. Your heart will leap, as it were, then with joy as you see that. So there will be toil and struggling, but there'll be tremendous joy as well, mothers, with this massive, massive privilege we have to teach them and show them about uh, the gospel of hope that Jesus brings. So what's Paul doing here today? He's growing us in hope. He's directing us to put our hope in Christ, the one who will never let us down. A hope that is eternal. Jesus is our first hope. He's our only hope with God. And Jesus is a hope that's worth suffering for, a hope that's worth toiling with, a hope that's worth struggling with. And Jesus is a rich hope beyond our wildest imaginations. And for mothers that I, I encourage you, keep investing in this hope into the lives of your children. Keep investing hour after hour, day after day, week after week, with this glorious privilege to tell our children, to tell your children, to tell your sons and your daughters about the glorious hope that Christ is. Because if you do, you will reap an eternal reward by seeing your son or daughter cling hold to that hope. It is a glorious hope. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, we praise you today for this hope that Christ is. We thank you, Lord, for uh, the wonder that he brings. We thank you for the joy that he brings. We thank you for the strength that he brings. God, we thank you today that we have this hope not outside of us, but inside of us. Lord, that is wonderful, glorious. Holy Spirit, I pray, let that hope be just made more evident in our lives. I pray today for, Lord, for those particularly mothers who perhaps are toiling and struggling with wayward sons or daughters. Lord, clinging on to the things of this world instead of clinging on to Christ. Uh, Lord, I pray today, let them keep showing Jesus. Let them keep reflecting Jesus. Let them keep reflecting the hope that they have into their lives of their sons and their daughters. And I pray, God, that you would open up the eyes of their sons and daughters to see this glorious hope that the mothers are showing them today and bring them into that relationship, we pray, of knowing this hope themselves and uh, let their mothers rejoice in your work, Lord, and your grace when that takes place. Father, I thank you that we can gather today and uh, just pray now, Lord, you would bless us with this hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, thank you so much for joining with us here at Exchange Church. If you have any questions or queries or would like to make connection with us at all, um, you'll see on the bottom of your screen now, info at exchangechurch.org.au. Please, please connect with us. We would love to have a conversation with you. Share with us your story and we can tell you a bit more about Exchange Church and we would love to be able to do that with you. Uh, now though, we're going to move to Dot. Dot is going to uh, take us around the Lord's table as we just worship the Lord again in making all this hope possible through his uh, cross through his work at the cross. Thanks, Dot. <laughs> 